Now you might be saying, surely evolution must be true. What with adaptation, natural selection, the ancient fossil record, and all those scientists trusting in it. Well, let's tackle them one by one and see how they stand up. This is Wonders Without Number. Welcome to Wonders Without Number. I'm David Reeves, and today we want to inform and inspire you regarding the wonders we find all around us. An infinite number of wonders that point us directly to our Creator, the God of the Bible. Now, you're no accident. I want you to know that you are special, that you were created in God's own image, that Jesus Christ was and is that Creator, and that He has a plan for your life. The fossils buried in rocks hold some astounding secrets, and we'll be taking a look at some of those today with two very special guests. Now, Dr. Dan Biddle is the president of Genesis Apologetics, and he has a PhD in organizational psychology from Alliant University. He has a bachelor's degree in organizational behavior from the University of San Francisco. Now, he's been an expert witness and consultant in scores of state and federal cases in the area of statistical analysis. Pat Roy worked with the Institute for Creation Research for 12 years and has been the inspiration behind long-running audio dramas, including the popular series Jonathan Park and Time Chroniclers. He's the director for Genesis Apologetics and Creation Quest. So what I want you to do is join with me now as we welcome my friends, Dr. Dan Biddle and Pat Roy. Welcome to the program. Us. Hey, Thank thanks you. for having us. Absolutely. It right. is wonderful to have you out here. <laughs> and I'm so excited today because y'all are bringing some really breaking research uh, into the student body in general and some of these pillars that seem to be foundational in students' beliefs in evolution. Is that right? Exactly. Absolutely. We, we did a research study of about 300 students aged 14 to 24, and we asked them to lay out for us what are the best evidences that you feel uh, prove evolution. Okay. So whether you believe it or not, give us the best evidences that you think substantiate that theory. So after receiving their responses, we broke them up into 10 different categories, okay. with the first leading one being human evolution. About 25% of our samples said, well, of course we believe in evolution because humans evolve. We look like yeah. chimps, so the, the DNA human chimp myth uh, thing, whatever reason, but they think, look, human evolution's gotta be uh, true. Wow. That was followed by Darwin's theory of proper evolution, okay. natural selection, mutations, adaptation. And then followed by fossils and transitions, and they might throw in a few specific ones there. And then science as an authority. It was real interesting to see how many people say, well, smart scientists uh -huh. believe in evolution, therefore I'm going to too. Exactly, because surely they're more intelligent on the, on the topic of science than our pastors are in our churches. They're saying, no, you can believe the Bible. <laughs> exactly. So why don't we go with the scientist when we're talking about science? The thing is, there are a lot of scientists who actually are learning some of these problems with evolutionary theory, and they're saying, well, maybe we're not quite so sure about these. So just dive right in, and let's take a look. Okay, so listen, the purpose of our ministry is to reach young people and show the scientific case against evolution. And uh, David, I found one of the funnest things when I meet an evolutionist who's so dyed in the wool evolution, yeah. um, a lot of times I'll ask them the question, how does evolution work? Yeah. Do you realize most of the time they don't know? They say, well, what do you mean? I go, well, what is the mechanism for evolution? Mm -hmm. Now, 
evolutionary scientists obviously of know course. the answer. But your on-the-street evolutionists a lot of times can't answer that. Okay. So if you don't mind, I thought we would stop and learn about evolution right now. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right? So evolution, I always like to think of it as a two-stroke engine, right? It's mutations and natural selection. Okay. Mutations, a change supposedly happens, mm -hmm. which is a mistake or a change in the genetic code. Okay. Okay, and that supposedly creates a mutant who's better able to survive. Okay. And because of that, natural selection favors the mutant and kills out the rest, right? And so the mutant is the one that continues uh. to pass on its genes. So you've got this two-stroke engine that's driving evolution forward. Okay, so I thought we'd just stop real quick and look at that because mutations and natural selection, we found out, is in the top four reasons that kids said that they believe in evolution. So let's debunk that right now and just Definitely. go through it very quickly and Definitely. talk about that. So mutations, a beneficial mutation takes place, and then survival of the fittest, obviously those beneficial mutated creatures are more fit to survive, so natural selection drives that forward, That's and then correct. it happens millions of times. Exactly. All right. So a lot of times when I'm talking to young people, I will talk about uh, adaptation, and I'll ask the, uh, the kids, I'll say, is adaptation a real thing? And they don't know what to answer because they think I'm going to get a got you on them, right? <laughs> right. Mm. But adaptation is a real thing. I mean, okay. we see that in nature all the time. Here's one of my favorite examples <clears throat> right there. Our, uh -huh. our iguanas. We've got the, the land and the marine iguanas, right? They're yes. at the Galapagos Islands. Well, those probably came from an original iguana kind, and yet we see a change. So here's a distinction I like to make, is evolutionists like to consider any change okay. as being part of macroevolution, right? Uh -huh. Any change is evolution. Now here's the problem is, they're saying mutations plus natural selection yeah. uh, is what's driving evolution forward. Well, are those processes that we actually observe happening, well, they would say, yes, any change is evolution taking place. Okay. Well, let's take a look at that. In the textbooks, here's an actual textbook that's uh, used in our public schools, mm -hmm. and uh, they say sources of genetic variation. Here are things that cause change. The two main ones they say are mutations mm -hmm. and genetic recombination. Okay. Those are the two changes that they propose. So are both of these things that we see that could drive evolution forward. Right. Okay, so here's how they actually uh, describe mutations in the Miller and Levine biology textbook right okay. there. Some mutations, such as those that cause genetic diseases, may be lethal. Maybe, wow, okay, mm -hmm. that's scary. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Other mutations may lower <laughs> fitness by decreasing an individual's ability to survive and reproduce. Still other mutations may improve an individual's ability to survive and reproduce. Okay. So see what they're saying is that mutations can kill something yeah. or it can make it worse off, but oh. every once in a while there's beneficial mutations <laughs> that drive evolution forward, right? Okay. Okay, so the question is, well, yeah, we see the lethal all the time. Yes. We see the decrease in fitness all the time, right? We have so many genetic diseases right now. That's right. That are just running rampant because of mutation, right? So what is the uh, one that is supposed to be a beneficial mutation? Well, again, when you look in the textbook, the best example they give in this particular textbook mm -hmm. is that mosquitoes become more resistant to pesticide. Over the past 20 years, mutations in the mosquito genome Made, uh, made many African mosquitoes resistant to the chemical pesticide once used to control them. Uh -huh. So what's going on here is it's still a loss of information okay. that controls the, uh, that causes the uh, mosquito's enzyme production to yeah. go out of control. Uh -huh. Okay, so it's a bad thing for the mosquito, but one of the uh, results, one of the side effects is they're more resistant to pesticide. I always like to say it this way, it's like a book. Mutations have the ability to delete information, yeah. to turn it backwards, to duplicate it, okay. okay? And so there's many different types of mutations, but if I take any book 
and I start moving stuff around and deleting stuff yeah. randomly, is the information going to get better or is it going to get worse? It's slowly worse. And, yeah. and that is the mechanism they say wrote the human <laughs> genome in the first place. Yes. So mutations do not work in that two-stroke engine. That okay, got. can't be the driving force of evolution. Okay, right. so let's go back. They said mutations was one source right. of uh, change. The other one was genetic recomb recombination. Yeah, okay. Okay, father and a mother, we get the genes from both, right? And sure. God has made it so amazing, right? We look around at all the different people and animals and we see how this genetic recombining is just There's so... There's a lot of diversity in the genetic sequence. E yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, um, is that true? I say that to the kids, is that true? Do we yeah. see that happening? Yeah, it is true. Mm -hmm. We see all the variety. Right. So what that means is that God not only created the original kinds of animals, mm -hmm. but he put enough genetic variability into them yes. that, uh, that they could express all the variety. So here's the way I like to explain it to kids. It's like dice. Okay. Uh, the lowest I could roll with two is two. Uh -huh. The highest I could roll is 12. Okay. So that genetic variety, that variety is already programmed into the dice. Okay. And it expresses all the variety, but I can never go higher than 12, uh -huh. and I can never go lower than two. In other words, there's boundaries within the genetic sequence of all of the different creatures, including us. Exactly. That's exactly it. Wow. And so that's what we see when we look at dogs. We see all these different varieties of dogs, right? Okay. And so there's that genetic variability being expressed, and yet it only has a limit, right? It, the, the dog can never become a different type of animal. So Charles Darwin saw this at the Galapagos Islands. He said, well, this finch has a different shaped beak, and this one has a different sized beak, and this one has a different feature. That's that adaptation, that genetic variability. Exactly. But it never changed from a finch to a giraffe. It never changed from right. anything other than a finch. Right, mm. e e exactly. And what's interesting is the people that have been studying the Galapagos there, when uh, conditions change, when seasons change, yeah. those beaks actually drift in size anyway, so <laughs> yeah. it's really okay. kind of funny. Okay, so that's the first stroke of the engine was mutations. Okay. Uh, second one is natural selection. Okay. So again, I like to ask kids, is natural selection a real thing? Mm -hmm. Well, again, it's a, is yeah. this is a gotcha? It, is this a trick? So you can oh, yeah. see the kids are waiting. Uh -huh. Yeah, natural selection is real, Absolutely. right? We, we see that happening all the time. Matter of fact, in the Miller and Levine biology book, it defines it this way, natural selection is the process by which organisms with variations most suited to the local environment survive and leave more offspring. Okay. So you can see the bird there mm -hmm. is picking off the yellow grasshopper because the green ones are hard to see on green grass, on green right? Grass, yeah. So for them, <laughs> this is evolution, right? We've got the grasshoppers <laughs> becoming more uh, green, right? But what happens when that grass dies and becomes more yellow? It drifts back the other way, that right? That's right. So is natural yeah. selection actually um, choosing, see, now think about it, David. They say that that first stroke is mutation, okay. and the natural selection would have to pick with absolute accurate um, ability, it would have to predict, uh, it would have to pick all of the positive mutations mm. and leave behind all the negative ones. Okay. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. The message presented today was filmed in studio at David Reeves Ministries' Wonders of Creation Center and is available in video format with powerful accompanying visuals. Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 
2824 Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. So, David, the point we're trying to make there is, is you know, natural selection is, is a sign of this amazing intelligence, right? And yet, it's supposed to be a natural process. It doesn't have a brain. It can't plan. And so, we look at the, the animal world and we see how amazingly complex these creatures are. Yes. And we assign that to a process that doesn't even have intelligence. Huh. Matter of fact, we as humans are trying to understand that and our best minds work on that and we can't even understand these things because they're so complex. It's just ridiculous that we assign that to, to natural processes. It's like it's beyond our ability to think this way, which means that there's something transcendent beyond that yeah, exactly. that created everything. So you're saying natural selection can't be the driving force behind evolution. Mutations can't be the driving force exactly. behind evolution. It doesn't work. Exactly. So when you look at that two-stroke engine, they don't work. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Excellent. Okay, so moving on to the, to the next pillar, well, one that ranked also in the top four, and these are fossils and supposed transitions. Okay. And we're going to cover this uh, using dinosaurs, really, because that gets teens' attentions. Absolutely. They typically like the, the dinosaur thing. So um, this is a clip from the Dinosaur Encyclopedia book, okay. so it's got tons of data. And it's real interesting. When you look at this slide, they show what they have here on the yellow lines are, represent the actual fossil data that they've recovered. You can go to fossilworks.com. You can look these things up. They have fossil data and evidence for these ah. different kinds of dinosaurs. All of the yellow from in this area, okay. Yes, yeah, going through all the yellow, but all okay. the gray lines, however, are the theoretical imagined connections between these different dinosaur kinds, this as is well as the ancestors. Evolutionary tree that we hear about so often, supposedly yes. how these dinosaurs originated. But, but what about the gray lines? The gray lines are imaginary. They're okay. all theoretical, and they even admit this in the secular book. So wow. they say, we have the yellow lines, which are yeah. the, the data that we dig up out of the ground, uh -huh. but all of the transitions and the original ancestor are unknown. They're theoretical. Wow. So the yellow lines are the real, uh, the real data. You mm -hmm. take away the gray, and all you have is a whole bunch of individual dinosaurs. The dinosaur kinds, right. which were most would place between 50 and 85, inter, 85 uh, interfertile, interbreedable kinds of okay. dinosaurs. And then if you take away the uh, idea of deep time, which you're really stuck with here, are individual dinosaur kinds That's that were right. put down on this earth on the sixth day of creation. Okay. And of course, extinction happens all the time. So a lot of these animals went extinct, but they were all created at the same time. Yes, absolutely, right before man, because you think Adam named all the creatures. Well, right. they had to all be there for him to go name them all. Now you yeah. said something like 80, you said about 80 different kinds? About between 50 and 85 different kinds. It depends on which source you go to. So yeah. around 50 to 85 different kinds of interbreedable uh, dinosaurs, that means that there would have been maybe 50 to 85 different types of dinosaurs on the ark. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. And then, of course, after they get off the ark, after the year-long flood, they mm -hmm. have a, a totally different world condition to, yeah. to get to. And number of creatures were designed for that optimum pre-flood world. True. You, know, you look at an, an apatosaurus or a sauropod kind of dinosaur yeah. over 100 feet long, and it's got nasal passages that are wow. only twice as big as a modern-day horse. 
horse. Really? Well, how do you feed a creature that large <laughs> with enough oxygen to stay alive on today's Earth climate? Yeah. The answer is it couldn't happen. Okay. So they lived in a pre-flood world, different conditions, different atmosphere. Okay. So, but this really shows, even with their own admission, we've got the theories and the imaginations of what we think happened with yeah. the transitions between dinosaurs. Then we have the actual data. And the data is showing us this. <clears throat> Yes. Amazing. So okay. and this, this picture is actually from a museum, and they have all the counts here. They say, well, we've got 78 tyr tyrannosauruses and uh -huh. 287 sauropod kinds okay. and the armored plant eaters. Yeah. But look at the counts for the transitions. <laughs> so you have an imaginary common ancestor for which they, they don't know what that came from. And all of these are zero. Wow. They don't map out a single transition for which they have counts between these individual kinds of dinosaurs. Okay, all right, now we don't, I don't want to get too complicated because I know we only have about five minutes left, but uh, explain <clears throat> punctuated equilibrium. Yeah, punctuated equilibrium is the idea that there's a starting and stopping like along a progressive evolutionary or progressive creationist would hold this view that, okay. oh, that God started all these animals and then they would, oh, look at that, there's an ear, and then all of a sudden that gets yes. spread throughout the gene pool and then that stops and then there's a starting and stopping. But when you look at something like the ear, there's no room for that. We talked about before, exactly. there's five separate systems that work within the hearing system. You have to have them all there at the same time. And you can dig as deep you want in the fossil record. You'll never find the evolution of those five different systems um, within an ear by which we hear. The same with so. the transitional fossils. It is a rescuing device designed to rescue the failing theories of evolution. Absolutely, and you want, when you just look at dinosaurs, they admit we don't have the ancestors and we don't have the transitions. Okay. Here's even a quote from a, a leading paleontologist who doesn't believe in creation. Mm -hmm. He says, from my reading of the fossil record of dinosaurs, no direct ancestors have been discovered for any dinosaur species. Hmm. Alas, my list of dinosaur an ancestors is an empty one. <laughs> so here you have a leading paleontologist who's written three books mm -hmm. and he says, I can't tell you where they come from. Wow. Well, we can. Because right. God told us we weren't there. So, you know, we, we both have to have faith, both the evolutionists and the creationists. We weren't there to see it. We weren't. But we have faith and trust in God's Word. And so. we have a historical account of the one who was there. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So here is another quote. This is, this is from a specialist in pterosaurs. He says, look, we, we know very little about the evolution of these pterosaurs. Their ancestors are not known. In other words, they don't have a creature turning into a pterosaur. Wow. Every time they dig them up out of the fossil record, they appear completely perfect. Okay. Just like the Bible would predict. We can predict going back through historical past to say, look at that. You dig up all these pterosaurs, yep. and they all appear fully formed and functional as these huge flying reptiles. And the biggest one that's been found in the pterosaurs is a 53-foot wingspan. And some people have looked at the flight physics required to get this animal up off the ground, yeah. and they can't figure it out in today's Earth climate. Wow. You have to hit its wings with 16-mile-an-hour winds just to get its toes up off the ground. Okay. So you couldn't have it flying in today's world. You've got a pre-flood creature. Wow. Okay. Yes. 
So this is uh, just a really quick review of some of the, the, the fresh biomaterials, or what we call the original organics. Okay. There we're now up to a list of 14 different original organics that have no business being found in dinosaur bones. So okay. these if are they were as ancient if, as yes, yes. If, if, if they're as That's ancient. The so and what's happening right now in the field, since about 2005, this really hit the mainstream press. Mary Schweitzer came out with a lot of different studies, and she was on all kinds of different programs. When she's finding things like blood vessels and red mm. blood cells and collagen in these bones, yeah. so there's a struggle right now. There's a tension in the field of paleontology. Okay. Either you have to explain how these 14 original organic materials that we're finding in bones mm -hmm. could last for millions of years, mm. or you have to change the time scale from millions of years to thousands of years. All right. Because there's a, there's a conflict going on here. Secular paleontologists, those who believe in the millions of years, 65 million years ago, dinosaurs went extinct. They're finding dinosaurs in the field. Uh, this is a T-Rex toe bone, a replica. But they're finding the big femur bones. They're cracking them in half and finding soft tissue and blood cells. Is Amazing. that correct? Absolutely. We even have a few few pictures here. You can look. This is one that's uh, used a lot. These are the blood vessels that you can see that they found originally wow. in a T. Rex femur bone, yeah. and then they replicated it in a hadrosaur bone. And now we're finding that this is more common than than not because a lot <laughs> of the bones they're digging out of the fresh badlands, like in, in Montana, have these features. It goes on. Here's a red blood cell in a blood vessel. So now wow. you have, and Mary even says they're lining up like trains yeah. inside of a, of a blood vessel. So. How can these things sit in the soil and last for 65 million years? Okay, we've only got about a minute left. We've been able to tackle several of the evolutionary pillars that you've pinpointed. We've been able to push those over quite easily with just a little bit of scientific data. Yes, absolutely. Give me, give me the final thoughts. Where is this leading? It's not leading us to millions of years. It appears to be leading us back to what the Bible said all along. It certainly is. We, we know from God's Word that dinosaurs being air-breathing, land-dwelling creatures were created on the sixth day of creation, right before He gave Adam and Eve dominion over all the animal kingdom. Not some. There was no punctuated equilibrium. Wow. Adam named all the animals. The yeah. Bible is very clear about that. So they all had to be there on that sixth day of creation okay. for Adam to take dominion over the whole earth and name all the living creatures. So God's saying, I made these magnificent creatures and they reflect my, my glory and my creative design. So. Pat, final thoughts, 20 seconds. Yes, Christians a lot of times live like this is just another religion, not sure if it's true. They like to put on the blinders, don't yeah. show me the evidence. You know the cool thing, David? We take it for granted. God just calls us to believe in truth. That's right. What's so cool is you can take off the blinders, investigate the world, and find out that it fits totally what the scriptures say. It's really Thank awesome. you so much, yeah, both absolutely. of you. We're going to have you. to have you back to tackle the other pillars. Oh, okay, <laughs> sounds good. The long and short is that there are some really big finds within the scientific community that are totally upturning the old, outdated theories of evolution proposed over 100 years ago. We now understand things that Darwin and his successors could have only dreamed. And the more we learn, the more that new body of evidence pushes evolution off its pedestal. And it's time to give God the glory for his creation and for the ultimate sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, in payment for our sins. We aren't perfect, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's right, Jesus conquered death and he rose again in victory. We hope that you've been encouraged and educated as you learn of the wonders without number that we find all around us. 
Leave us your questions and comments on our Facebook page and give us a call to learn more. I'm David Reeves, and until our next time on Wonders Without Number, I want you to keep looking up. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of the TV show Creation in the 21st Century on TBN. Each week we talk to some of the world's leading scientists, all showing how our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Engage with other like-minded believers through the Creation Club, a place for biblical creationists to share and learn. This fast-growing website offers over a thousand articles written by authors from many different backgrounds, already encompassing six different languages. Combating the unproven theories of evolution, our 24-7 TV network reaches millions of people with biblical truth. Genesis Science Network broadcasts globally over the internet, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, mobile devices, and more. It's a new Christian alternative to the evolutionary programming so prevalent on TV today. Be sure to sign up for our email updates and like us on Facebook for weekly inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible. Talk to your pastor about sponsoring one of our live events in your church or community.